Father, thank you again for being here. If you're a guest, if you're a first-time guest, thank you for being here. want to uh, be a blessing to you while you're here, so please don't forget to go by the Welcome Center when you do that. I uh, want to give you a gift. If you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 19 is where we're picking up. And again, I, I love the fact that we've been walking through this verse by verse. Uh, some people, um, uh, I just want to say this, I didn't plan to say this, but some people sometimes wonder uh, why we just continue to go verse by verse and I think that so much, I don't have anything really against uh, topical sermons. I think there are, are times and reasons for that. Uh, but that's not really how Scripture is laid out. Um, and I think topical sermons a lot of times um, kind of are geared towards, and I'm not saying they're bad, I'm not saying they're all like this, but a lot of times topical sermons are geared uh, more towards the inter entertainment side of our uh, existence as humans and even as Christians because uh, we're looking for something new. We're looking for something that um, uh, is kind of on, on a certain point. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit doesn't inspire topical sermons. Don't take that away from this. Um, but I think, again, how Scripture, of course, is laid out is verse by verse. And uh, I think it's important for us to gain the context uh, of what God is wanting us to do. And so when we do a study of the first church and you look at the book of Acts, uh, you miss so much if you don't go verse by verse. And uh, that's what we've been seeing along the way. And I think, again, very appropriate this morning that we sang that song, Same God, uh, because He's the same God that was working in, in, in the first church that's still alive and working today. And so it's us that are either in the way or in line. We're either in the way of what God can do and what God is doing, or we're, we're in line with what God is doing. And so last week we saw two uh, points as the gospel, um, the Apostle Paul, and of course the mission of the church uh, started a riot in, in the city. And if you were here, you know, uh, we talked about what that, that riot looked like. They stirred up a whole bunch of people in the city, and a lot of people were mad. They were wanting to uh, tear apart Paul. Paul wanted to go in uh, to, the, to the arena, and his, his friends, his co-laborers were like, buddy, this is not a good time to go in there. Uh, they're going to probably tear you alive. They don't say that, but that was implied uh, in the text. But the points that we saw were this. When we faithfully serve the Lord... We must always be ready for the disturbance. When we faithfully serve the Lord, we must always be ready for the disturbance. And sometimes that disturbance is from without, which is what is expected, right? We expect the enemy to hate what the church is doing if the church is in line with the Lord. It's, it's going to cause a problem in the community because that's what Jesus said. He even said himself, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And he even explained how some families would be split up because of their faith in Christ and, and some of their family members' lack of faith in Christ. And so again, we, we, we sometimes take this model that's been propagated in, in our modern context, which is what we would call the church growth movement, and that is what makes people happy, that's what we want to do in the church so that the church is liked in the community. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with serving the community. We should absolutely serve the community. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a blessing to our community. There's nothing wrong with being our bless the blessing of the community. But our focus, our mission is very clear, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good to be a blessing, but if we're in a blessing without sharing the gospel, we are not fulfilling what Jesus Christ has called us to do. And that gospel is something that causes problems. It causes disturbances. People don't like it. People don't like to know that they are in sin, that they're under the weight of the condemnation, the judgment of their sin, and that if they don't accept Jesus Christ, the only way to heaven, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And not only separated from God, 
but experiencing the wrath of God against their sin for all of eternity. People don't like to hear that, but that's the gospel. The, the good news is that Jesus is available. Jesus is there to save those who are lost in their sins, those who are without him. He is there available. He says, uh, if anyone would come unto me, I will no wise cast them out. And so when we faithfully serve the Lord, we have to be ready for the disturbance. It's, it's going to be expected that the disturbance happens from without. But we did talk a little bit about what happens inside the church sometimes, right? The enemy knows that if the, the church is not going to be affected from without, he'll just start poking people from within. He'll just start prodding and, and, and trying to cause disturbances from within the church because a divided church is an ineffective church. He knows that. So if he can get the church members picking at each other or separated from each other or disconnected from each other or not faithfully gathering together, then he knows that that church is not going to be effective. Again, what we've seen so far is these, 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 these uh, first believers, these, these, um, this first church, this first missionary team, I mean, they were together, and we're going to talk more about that this morning. But when we faithfully serve the Lord, we have to be ready for the disturbance. We saw that last week. Secondly, we saw this. When we faithfully share the gospel... We must know that conflict will result. When we faithfully share the gospel, conflict will result. I don't know about you, but we have family members. Uh, there are people that have basically disconnected themselves from us uh, because of that. There's, a, there's someone in our neighborhood uh, that when they first moved into the neighborhood, I had a friendly conversation with them. Uh, they were Catholic, and I, and I simply shared the gospel with them. I didn't tear them down. I didn't knock them. I didn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't belittle them. I just simply shared the gospel. I shared John 14, 6. I shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And, and I was just having a conversation. And from that point forward, family can attest, they are bitterly resentful of, of us. They don't, uh, just to the point of, like this, we'll walk by their house sometimes, they'll be in the yard working, and we'll wave, and they will simply just turn away. And yeah, I, I was like, we, I mean, it wasn't any, it was crazy. This is years ago too, and still to this day, that's the case. But when we faithfully share the gospel, we know that conflict will result. That's just the reality of what, what happens on this earth. But I shared this, and I, and I want you to, to, to remember this if you were here. If not, please hear this. If you're going to get wrapped up in anything as a child of God, don't let it be the changing issue of the day to distract you. Or the activity, or the sport, or the idol, or the popular topic, or the political topic. As a child of the living God, as a co-laborer with God, as an ambassador for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's get wrapped up in sharing the gospel with people who are in an idolatrous culture and not get wrapped up in the idolatrous culture ourselves. And we should be wrapped up in sharing the gospel with people. That's why we're here. That's what it's about. But man, it's so easy for us as Christians to get wrapped up in that idolatrous culture ourselves. Because there's going to come a day when none of those temporal things are going to matter, the things that we, can, we tend to get wrapped up in. And all that will matter is what we've done and who we've been as the church of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And the time that we use for the temporal things, if they weren't redeemed for the glory of God, will have been wasted in the scope of eternity. So in our study, we come to a very important part in the missionary's journey and uh, I want to pick it up. Actually, I said 19 is the beginning of 20. 
Um, it says this, after the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for disciples, and when he had exhorted them and taken his leave of them, he left to go to Macedonia. And when he had gone through those districts and had given them much, much exhortation, he came to Greece. And there he spent three months, and when a plot was formed against him, uh, surprise, right? That happens again. <laughs> By the Jews, as he was, to set, uh, as he was to set sail, about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. And he was accompanied by Sopater of Berea, the son of uh, Pyrrhus, and uh, Aristocar uh, Aristocris, <laughs> and uh, Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and Tychicus, and Trophimus of Asia. It's interesting that these, these people are named because I think God wants us to remember that this, these were real people with real lives dedicated to the purpose of God. But it says this, but these had gone ahead and were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi. He's talking about, this is Luke and, and Paul. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came to them at Troas within five days and there we stayed seven days. The first point right away in our, in our notes, if you have your notes, is this, for the first church prioritized togetherness for the cause of Christ. The first church prioritized togetherness for the cause of Christ. It's a very similar thing, as I, I mentioned here recently, you see some of the similar things repeated in this first church era, because I think it's, 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 it's preserved for us for that reason, so that we realize what the important things were that they had, that they did, that they were. Again, we, we've seen this in the very beginning, if you remember that in, in, in the day of Pentecost produced this, this unity among the church, and they were so together that they were selling possessions, extra possessions they had to give to those who were in need so that everybody's needs were taken care of. They, they had such a togetherness that, that nothing was going to break them, nothing was going to do anything to destroy, their, uh, destroy them. And yet again, we see even in the most probably... Um, difficult times of ministry in the Apostle Paul. They, 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 were, they were dealing with threats on their life. They were dealing with riots in cities. People were wanting them just gone and dead. Not just Jews, but Greeks. They were, they were wanted people, and yet they were still going on. And not only that, they had people joining their team as they were experiencing these death threats, and as they were experiencing these difficult trials. It's not like the, the ministry that the church was getting easier and more comfortable and more facilitating of what people wanted. No, everything seemed to be getting a lot more difficult. I don't know if you're catching any of the, the correlation here, but there's things in our world, in our life, that seem to be getting a little more difficult than they were before. And, and, and we see the people of God, the, the, the friends, the co-laborers, prioritizing their togetherness. Did, did, did you see what it said? It says, we sailed from Philippi after five days, after day, I'm sorry, after the days of unleavened bread, and came to them at Troas within five days, and there we stayed seven days. These people came alongside them, and they were, look, we're going to go ahead, we're going to wait for you guys. We've got a work to do. This is important. And I want to say this. There's nothing wrong with, with Christians hanging out. As a matter of fact, I, I think getting together and hanging out is vital for Christians, especially for Christians. That's God's design is that we would be together. 
But there is a temptation in those times where we're just hanging out to focus only on ourselves. And sometimes when we do that, there's a pull to just play on our flesh and our pride. Do what we want to do. And notice in the text that there were people accompanying Paul in his travels. His life, once again, was threatened. Those associated with him were in jeopardy as well. But they stuck together. They stayed with him. And they worshiped together. And again, I, I want to say this. There's nothing wrong with, with Christians just getting together and we're just going to hang out or we're just going to do this or we're going to do that. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. But their togetherness centered on the things of God. And because it's centered on the things of God, like worship, gathering together to remember the Passover lamb, which we, we did just a, a couple weeks ago, that's what that, that Feast of Unleavened Bread was. That's the Passover feast. I believe this season fueled Paul for the journey ahead. And what we're going to see in this chapter 20, not, not this week, but maybe next week, is, is something, an, an amazing amount of faith and confidence in God in the face of the threat of his life. Maybe the end of his life. He, didn't have, he had no idea. But I, I want to say this. Friendships in the church, groups in the church are all vital and they're all essential. But please hear me. We have to make sure that the relationships and the friendships and the fellowship that we have in the church pushes us closer to Christ, exalts Him, which means that we cannot disconnect from His church. If you have a friendship, if you have a relationship, if there's a group that you're a part of that doesn't foster a deeper affection for Christ and His church and His mission, you got to do some real evaluation. Because that friend that you have, if they don't encourage you to be more faithful to Christ, it's not a true Christian friend. If that group or group of friends or whatever isn't pushing you to have a deeper affection for Christ and His church, that's not honoring to God. We, again, we observed the Lord's Supper just a couple weeks ago, and it's a great motivator as we remember Christ's broken body and His shed blood. And, and the reason why that's such an, a, a vital thing, and I think so important that the, the Scripture, they didn't have to, God didn't have to inspire Luke to write that, but He did. And I think there's a reason. Instead of traveling, instead of skipping the Passover, instead of bailing on the Passover, well, we got, I mean, we're doing the work of God. We got to get to this other place. Notice what they did. They prioritized being together for the glory of God. And after they observed the feast, they traveled to meet others within five days, it says. Once they, once they were there, they were with them for seven days. Again, I think it's so vital for us to learn these lessons from the first church. And I want to I ask you this morning, as a part of the bride of Christ, the church, what does it look like for you? Are you prioritizing togetherness for the cause of Christ? Sometimes it seems like there's people who profess to be a part of the body of Christ. It seems like there are people who say they are a member of the Lord Jesus Christ Church. And it's like they can't wait to get away from His church. 
or they find more joy in not gathering with his church than they do with gathering. Or they find joy in other things more than they find in gathering with his church. Again, we, we've got to really figure out what's going on in our life and our culture and in our heart primarily as individual believers and as, as a family of God, as a church. We've got to make sure that our heart's right because it's so easy in the midst of an idolatrous culture to get wrapped up in those things and our heart and our affection and our devotion and our time and everything get wrapped up in an idolatrous culture and not be who God's called us to be in this desperate time in which we live. That's why it's so vital for us to evaluate who we're hanging around and, and what they're encouraging us to do. And, 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 and is everything in my life and everyone in my life pointing me to a greater devotion for Christ, a greater devotion to his kingdom, to his mission? Is that, what, is that what's going on in my life? First church, man, they prioritize togetherness for the cause of Christ. Look, we got to get to the next city. Matter of fact, Paul, there's, there's, there's a bounty on your, your head. We got to get moving. You, this is a desperate time. These are dangerous times we're living in. And, and we got a group with us. We got to think about everybody because if they catch you, Paul, they got all of us. And look what they did. We're going to observe the Passover because this is what God's commanded. We're going to be together. I'm going to worship because this is what God's commanded. And we're going to trust Him for everything else. Are you prioritizing togetherness for the cause of Christ or? Please hear this. Can the world tell you something is going to happen now? It tells you, or it tells your kids and your grandkids to jump. And do you ask how high? Do the things, the people of God, have priority over the things in this world? And it's heartbreaking to think the great spiritual damage that's happening to young people in churches today because parents are constantly yielding to the world and prioritizing the things of the world over the cause of Christ. And it's spiritual damage indeed. It may not be spiritual damage seen now, but it'll be spiritual damage seen later. I also think there's a proper heart and a method to prioritizing the things of, uh, of Christ the command's very clear in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount said it in verse 33. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything you need in this world will be added unto you. But as I said, I think the heart and the, the, the method of prioritizing Christ is, is, is important because sometimes the sincerity in which parents enforce or don't enforce they exemplify or don't exemplify the importance of the things of God is monumental to whether a student embraces it or rejects it. Because you can shove something down a kid's throat and you can make them do it regardless if you're doing it. And you will damage them spiritually, possibly for the rest of their life. But if you yourself aren't prioritizing the kingdom of God and Jesus himself, and it's not seen in your life. It doesn't matter what you say or do. Spiritual damage is being done. That's why the Bible tells us that we're supposed to live it out. You know, maybe we're just too spoiled. And we could just take or leave the things of God as we please. 
Maybe that's the reason why it looks like it is. Maybe we can just look at the church and we can look at the gospel and we can look at the mission and we can look at what, what God has us on this earth for and we can just take it or leave it at our, at our whim because we're so spoiled. But make no mistake again, we're weakening and damaging the next church when we live like that. The sincerity, the priority, the devotion of this first church was so that it set an example that has lasted to today. Think about that. Their, their priority, the devotion that they had was preserved for us that's still lasting today. We look back and we see their togetherness in the face of death threat, in the, fa in the face of, of not knowing what the next day is going to bring. They weren't worried about the prices of gas. They weren't worried about what their mortgage was going to do. They didn't know if they are going to live, if the people were going to catch up to them and kill them because they were sharing the gospel. Where, where are we in the scope of all that? Well, I just don't know if i got time for church today. I just don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if, you know, this, we've got a lot of stuff going on today. What in the world is wrong with us? God wants the same thing. He's the same God we just sang. He wants the same thing from the church today as he did then. Let me ask you this. Do you ever pray, God, I want my life to make an eternal impact for your glory? Do you ever pray that? God, I'm nobody, but I want my life to make an eternal impact for your glory, not for my name, not to be known or seen. Or, do, you, do you ever pray, God, use me up? I shared that a little while back. Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, use me up. My life is here. I'm breathing. I'm living. You obviously have me here for a reason. Just use me up. There's a song Shane and Shane sing, and, and, and it talks about waste me on you. And the word is, is an artistic word, waste. It's not like you're throwing it away, but just spin me up on you. Because in the end, that's the only thing that's really going to matter. Acts chapter 20, notice what happens in the same vein. Verse 7, on the, on the first day of the week, look what happens. When we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them. And he was intending to leave ne the next day, so he was going to take full advantage of the time that he had as a, as a preacher does. He prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together. And there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. <laughs> and Paul kept on talking. He was overcome by sleep. He fell down from the third floor and he was picked up dead. But Paul says, look, we're not going to have this disturb this message. I got, I got more to say. So he goes downstairs and fell upon him after embracing him. He said, don't be troubled for his life is in him. Verse 11, you think that, well, that's a serious event. Let's go ahead and pray, dismiss the church service. Um, that's, that's enough for today, Paul. You've been, whew, you've been going all night long. <laughs> Dude fell asleep, fell dead, and he's alive. Let's go ahead and have a, a dismissing prayer and uh, be done. Look what happens. He'd gone back up. They, broke, they ate some bread. They'd eaten. And he talked with them a long while until daybreak. Though they didn't sleep. They, Paul talked and preached all night long. And then he preached and talked all morning long until daybreak. And then he left. They took the boy alive and were greatly comforted. Verse 13. But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Azus. 
intending for, from there to take Paul on board because he had arranged and intending himself to go by land. So they were going to go around the, the western uh, sea, uh, the, the coast. Paul was just going to meet them down um, uh, by land. He had already arranged it. And when we had met at Assis, uh, we took him on board and came uh, to, to Mytilene. Sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios. The next day, we crossed over to Samos. The, the day following, we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. Remember, he had already spent quite a bit of time there because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. So the first day of the week we see in the, in the text that the church gathered together to break bread and for the preaching of God's Word. This was in addition to them gathering on the Sabbath day. Now think about this. Sometimes we think, man, um, we got morning service, we got evening service. We used to have morning service, evening service, and Wednesday night service, right? Three times a week. That's the way a lot of us were raised. These people, they were Saturday, Saturday, well, Friday sundown, Saturday sundown. They were back on Sunday, first day of the week. But what you see is this unity when a young man falls asleep, falls out of the window, dies, comes back to life, that they continue on together. Paul preached and taught all night and all morning long. Every time I, I, I preach and I teach this, it, it, it always makes me feel a little less worried to go 10 minutes over. Look, we ain't even getting close to midnight, people. We're not even, we're not even close to that. So, you know, I'm just kidding. But I will say this. People may be sleeping in here, but nobody's falling out of the window dead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We ain't got no stories. Point two. The first church prioritized the preaching of God's Word. I'm not here to entertain anybody. I'm not here to please anybody. Um... Matter of fact, I had a meeting um, last week or the, or the week before, and um, it had to do with some things that we do uh, in worship. And uh, I, I told the person, I, I've told people before, I'm not coming from a very prideful place at all when I say this. I'm not coming from an ugly place at all when I say this. I think I've said it before in an evening service. But when somebody comes and says, I wish we would do this and not do this, I'm, I'm telling you this right now. I'm not saying that I just throw it out immediately, but most of the time, I, I'm not hearing anything but, I want this. I want this. And I have a responsibility to not fulfill people's wants, to fulfill the, wor the will of God. I've got a responsibility to follow his leading. I've got a responsibility to make sure that, that the reason why is because I know one day I'm going to stand before God and give a strict account. A very severe judgment is going to be waiting for me one day. And so I, I, if I'm like, well, what, what would you like? What, what would you like? What would you, then that's why, people, that's why pastors quit. I can't do that. I've got to seek the face of the one who saved me and seek to please him alone. And so that's what I'm just going to preach. 
That's why I'm going to preach God's word. That's why I'll go verse by verse. That's why we're going to do what we do. But again, we've seen it time and time again in this study. They're, they're preaching and they're reasoning in the synagogues as they travel to, to, to one city and then to the next. That's exactly what they do. They're in the marketplace preaching in the assembly of the saints here in a house. They're, they're, they're preaching on Mars Hill. Uh, he, was, he was preaching the word of God by the riverside. He met those ladies. They were having a prayer meeting. They were preaching. He was sharing the word of God. The priority was on preaching. Those traveling with Paul must have heard the gospel message thousands of times. They, they must have heard the doctrine that Jesus delivered and that the apostles delivered over and over and over. They probably heard Paul say some of the same things thousands of times in just the short amount of time that they were with him. The reality is many of them probably taught and shared themselves the same things. But here's the reality. This first church was devoted to it. Why were they so devoted to it? Because they loved it. They loved the doctrine. They loved the gospel. They loved each other. Why? Because they loved Jesus. That's why. They believed it, and so they acted on it. I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I've done this before, but I want you to just go with me. I'm going to read it, and we'll be almost done. Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we've received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we've renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. If we hide the gospel, we're hiding it from those who are dying in their sins. In whose case, these people who, are, who, 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 who the gospel is being veiled from, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves simply as bondservants for Jesus. Your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted. We know we're not forsaken. Struck down, we are not destroyed. Always caring about day after day, city after city, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. Oh, what, what would it be if, if that was a testimony of our life today? We're constantly, we're constantly, our lives are constantly aligned for the sake of Jesus. That's why I said what I said a while ago, we're, we're so spoiled. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So here's how it works. Death works in us, but it brings you life. But having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. Paul says, we also believe, therefore we speak. We also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you for all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying and wasting away and we get in, thrown in prison and beaten and all this guys, we know that our, our inner man is being renewed day by day for, for momentary light affliction that we face is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And while we look not at the things which are seen, 
We're looking at things that are not seen. Because the thing which, things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How, they will call, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, bring good news of good tidings, good, good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing what? By the word of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, did you hear that? For those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. When we hear the gospel, when we hear the preaching of God's word, as the children of God, it should encourage us. What, what happens when it doesn't? What happens when we disengage? What's wrong whenever a preacher stands and preaches or just reads the word of God and we are disconnected from it? It's our hearts. There have been times in my life that the same thing has happened, and I realized that was my heart. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message of the gospel preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for a sign and Greeks search for wisdom. But listen to what Paul says. But you know what? We're not catering to anybody. We preach Christ crucified. And because we preach Christ crucified, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's foolishness to the Gentiles. But those who are being called, whether they're Jews or Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the, despi and the despised God has chosen. The things that are not so that he may nullify the things that are. So that no man may boast before God. But by his doing you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it's written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This morning I, I want to close by encouraging you. Let's prioritize the preaching of God's word. Let's esteem it. Whether it's me, Brother Jeffrey, Brother Turner, whoever, whoever is preaching or teaching, a group leader, let's prioritize the preaching of, of God's word. Let's esteem it. Let's embrace it. Let's preach it at home. Parents, Let's live it at home. Share it with others. This first church, their devotion to the preaching of God's word then still resonates as an example today. Their life was on the line, and yet they still preached it. That's why their life was on the line, yet they still preached it. Oh, that we would love the word of God so much that every time it's preached, we don't have something better to do. That we don't have an app to check. That we don't have something better to think about afterwards. That we don't have something more pressing to do. Every time the Word of God, whether it's in a home, whether it's in a group, whether it's in a church service, every time that we would love the Word of God so much that we would press into it. First Church prioritizes the Word of God and the proclamation of it. What do we do with it?
this morning. If you're here and was prayed earlier, you don't have a relationship with Christ, let me ask you like this. If you were to die today, do you know 100% that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? And if you say yes, then praise God, take, the, take these points. Man, the togetherness of the church should be essential and vital, and it should be priority. If you're a child of God, you say, yes, I know 100% I'm going to heaven because I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I've surrendered my life to him. I know I'm a child of God. I'm going to heaven. Then, man, you, you, you and I, we as the church, have to prioritize the preaching of God's word. But if you just answer that question by saying, no, I don't know 100% where I'll spend eternity, then I'm asking you, don't leave this place like that. There's no reason for you to do that. You can leave this place saying, absolutely, I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And it's not because of something that you can do, no work. It's not because you came to church. It's not, it's not you, can, you can't be good enough. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. And so if you're here and you say, I, I, I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity. If I were to die today, I don't know where I'm going to go. And we're about to have an invitation. And at the invitation, I want to encourage you to come forward. We, if, you're, if you're a man, we, we have a, a gentleman over here who can take you aside privately. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to make a show of you. Just simply have a conversation with you, show you in God's word how you can have that assurance. If you're a lady, we have ladies that are available as well. But please don't leave this place without knowing for sure where, where you're going to spend eternity. The Bible says that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. It says that that it's by grace that we're saved through faith, not of works, not of ourselves. And so it's, it's a gift of God. You have to receive it, though. And we'd love to share that with you in this invitation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your word and the challenge that you give to us. Lord, I know as a people living in 2022, there's, in America specifically, there's no doubt we are uh, a spoiled people. We look to live life catered to ourselves, comfortable for ourselves. And if you and your church can fit into that, then we're okay with it. But when it doesn't, we're not. And I, I want to I ask you on behalf of this church to forgive us. Lord, that your blood, your sacrifice, your love... Shame on us for living like that, God. We see this first church as an example that they, their lives were on the line. They, were, they had the opportunity to bail and when, when Paul's life was threatened. And, and instead of bailing on him and bailing on the mission, there were more people joining and signing up for it. Lord, help us to have that heart. Help us to be more devoted to your kingdom than we are to this world. Help us, be more, help us prioritize your church more than anything in this world. Help us prioritize your word. Now just help us be your, your people. Well, Lord, for that person or those people who may not have a relationship with you, I pray you move them now in this invitation. If there's anybody here that's not positive where they're going to spend eternity, that they would come forward to make that sure, Lord. We'll praise you for what you do. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I'll encourage you to come.